We are here with Dr. Becky Spellman, the private therapy clinic in London. Years ago, Dr. Becky Spellman interviewed me for her channel. It went viral. I'll put the link in the description box. Please go down, check it out, subscribe to her channel. We're hoping to do more collaborations with her. This is the second video in the series in the, of the fam, Atwood family series. We've got Ziggy in here now just a couple months ago. And Dr. Becky is going to introduce herself and tell you guys what we're going to go through a bit today. I'll hand that over to you. Thank you, Sean. So I'm a registered psychologist. I have about 14 years postdoctoral training, so I assure you I do know what I'm talking about. Um, but I cover a wide range of topics, but often I lean into relationships, and then that comes into, that leans into family relationships as well. And then sometimes people come to me for parenting strategies, so that can be quite practical. Now, I must say, most people come to me uh, parents come to me when their children are already walking, talking and doing behaviours that are not so ideal. So I find it fascinating and I'm really amazed that you're actually coming so early on to be that conscious about your relationship and your family. So I'm very impressed. Thanks. Yeah, we're trying to head off any problems before they happen. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So when you think about parenting or in the conversations you've had about parenting so far, what kind of conversations have you had? Well, we watched a YouTube channel, actually, on tough love and then going too soft. And what was the other one? There was three different types, wasn't there? So, and it, <laughs> it was quite inaccurate, actually. It said that if you give your child tough love, they're going to be an introvert. If you give them soft love, they're going to be a spoiled brat. Okay, so kind of very black and white. Yeah. And yeah. The in between one was let them get away with a bit and they'll be all right. But... No. Yeah. Okay. And then um, when you've been talking about these things, have you noticed any consistent thinking between the two of you or have you noticed any um, differences in how you would like to go about parenting, particularly on the, you know, being quite domineering and quite strict compared to being much more lenient? I know, matter of fact, he's going to be the soft touch, like 100%. Because, yeah, no, you would, wouldn't you? So Jane thinks that she's going to be law and order and I'm going to be the party person. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, it's going to be a case of, oh, if he wants something, he's going to go ask, ask your dad, not come to me, because I'll say no. And okay. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's how we are in our relationship, isn't it? So, yeah. So already you have this kind of pre- preconceived idea is what you're going to be like as parents. Sean's going to be really soft. You're going to be the strict mum. So that's really interesting. What are you, what's happened in the relationship? Like if you can give me an example of something that typically happens in the relationship that leads you to think that this might be the way. Oh God. Um, Sean's free spirit way of thinking and... Jen is stricter with things like that. I like to give people an opportunity. Jen's more ruthless, and as the hormones have kicked in, she's become even more ruthless. I might get a clout during this interview at some point. <laughs> well, I do remember you being very patient, Sean, because on the day that we were filming many years ago, for some reason, our cameraman was not like your lovely cameraman, James. Uh, he was a little bit... Um, less competent and took hours to set it up and then you just sat waiting patiently just no complaints at all but just not even an inkling of frustration in your face just like really calm as if it just you know just didn't bother you so I don't know is, um, I guess Jen is this uh, any kind of I guess um, you know I'm like can I draw on this situation and, and think that actually as a parent Sean might be very patient oh yeah yeah okay we'll, we'll take that patient we, we had a little bit over. we had a little bit of a disagreement yesterday and it was jen was getting angry and angry i could see and i felt like she was trying to make me angry and she wanted me to snap and then she stormed off <laughs> and then 10 minutes later this is outside like some shops 10 minutes later she comes back and i could see she's just raging so i did this little dance in the in the street <laughs> this little dance and I could see her face was like, and she was almost laughing, but she was trying to maintain this face. <laughs> I almost broke it, didn't I, back into it. Almost. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is absolutely fascinating because um, no way is, you know, better than the other. These are just types of, your, you know, parts of your personality where you're quite different, which is often can be amazing in a couple because you're com complimenting each other. And it's interesting, Jen, that you said... Um, patient slash pushover <laughs> because then in one way it's like yes this patience could be great but in other ways 
actually, it could be, you might see it as a pushover because it might be so inconsistent with, with the messages you're giving to your children that the, your children might end up receiving one message from you and then another message from Sean. So then my question to you is, how would the two of you want to try to go about having a consistent parenting strategy and what would that strategy be? If you think about this whole authoritarian versus pushover or, or very patient parenting. I think you underestimated me for this role. <laughs> you think I'm under... No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think... Well, I need to step up, I can step up. Yeah, I'll give you that, but... I think when it comes, as long as we communicate, it'll be all right. So like anything, communication is key. But as long as he, he doesn't try and, like, our son in particular go to him and it all goes off behind my back. And, yeah, I don't think I'd enjoy that. Okay, so let me make sure I've got that right. So if uh, Sean, let's just say your, your child is now five and Sean is communicating with your child, but you don't know the messages he's communicating, then that would be something that would annoy you. I think so, if it was something that I knew that shouldn't be done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if that if your child does pick up on that inconsistency, then they won't see you as a, a, a team, and you have to be a team in order to uh, be able to parent them in a way that's not so confusing. And children, of course, need boundaries. Um, they will, you know, even though they might act like they don't like rules, they absolutely need rules and boundaries to feel safe. And um, I can give you a few tips on, on things to, uh, so that you can actually start to you know, think about how you might, might want to go about parenting. Um, so one thing, uh, they'll ask you actually your ideas on it before I give the tip. So let's just say your child is a toddler and draws all over the wall. Um, how would you go about communicating to your child that this is not... That's oh, something I, I wanted to talk about is appropriate punishments because mm-hmm. I've like seen throughout the years friends obviously having children and there's like the naughty step, time out, yeah. um, removing playstations or computer games or something they, they like to play with, t- like taking it away. Yeah. And I, I, what strategy is best because yeah. they say stuff like that. That's a really good question. So, um so your child is drawn on the wall with the crayons. Um, you take your toddler and you bring the toddler to a different room and you sit with your toddler and you do time in rather than time out. And the reason for that is that it's better that you're there with them in those difficult emotions because you've told them, you're saying to them that at this you know, moment you're coming to this other room with me because you've drawn all over the wall. That's not a good behavior. You're not bad. We love you very much, but... You can't draw on the, you know, it's not good to draw on the walls. And then you sit with them in their in their sadness because um, you you don't want to feel that you don't want to make them feel ashamed, but they are going to feel, you know, that you are upset with them, so they're going to feel sadness. And you don't want them to do the time out because then they're alone with those emotions, and you're teaching their child that actually they have to suffer alone with their emotions. Whereas if you do the time in then actually they can feel that sadness, and then you are there with them, so you stay with them. I've never heard moments. of time in. Really? We have now. We're learning. Yeah. So we're here. So, so this is so this is one situation. I'll give you a different situation. So then your child is now seven, and you want them to come to the dinner table, but they're not playing ball with this. What would you What would you suggest? <gasps> I'm gonna sound like such a cow. I'd be like, I'd get to the dinner table, no questions asked. I'd be like, if you don't have dinner, you can't have any of your toys. Like, it was just he's playing a game or whatever. Yeah. Can't see your mates for, for a month. For a month. Grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Straight. For a month. No, or a, a year or a year. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do anything you love for a year. <laughs> Sean, what would you... I would be the same. I'd be like, get your ass in here now. But I think I know where Jen's coming from because when I go to my sister's house, yeah. I'm like the cat in the hat and I always oh end God. up getting told off. So I have this thing called money game where I get them all excited and, and ask them questions and just throw money around the room and they run after it. And then when I, we go in the garden, um, I always, I'm almost trampolining them over the neighbour's fence. And my sister and my mum come running out, stop doing that, stop doing He's that. He's like the big child. But I wonder, this is like my sister's house. I've got this bit of time with my niece and nephew. It's not like I've raised them from scratch. And I think Jen's judging me from... Yeah. What I've seen so far, But yeah. if I'm raising kids from the beginning... Fun time, Sean. I'm not going to be the cat in the hat at home. 
Okay, you know, so what would you do? Dinner table situation and your child is just not coming to the Get your ass in here now or you're not going to have your PlayStation or whatever it is. Okay. All right, so this is interesting because you're actually both consistent on this in actually being quite a domineering parent when it comes to dinner table you know, or, or something where you need your child to cooperate. And can I make a suggestion? Uh, okay, so the suggestion is that actually you give them limited choices rather than commands. So rather than get your ass to the dinner table now, <laughs> would you like to come to the dinner table now or in five minutes? So you give them a very limited choice. Now, bear in mind, your child is going to be quite young at this point. So they're not going to notice that child, the, the choices are kind of ridiculous, you know, because now or in five minutes, <laughs> does it really make any difference? But actually you're giving them choice and um, and therefore they don't feel like they're being commanded to do something so they feel a little bit more in control over the situation. That is strategic. And you can bribe them yeah. if the dinner's getting cold. Obviously, can you come now or five minutes, your food's cold, optional. <laughs> what, what, what if your child doesn't care about cold food? It's a salad. So it's all about negotiation. So try to negotiate as much as possible rather than telling your child what to do. Um, and then, uh, what are your thoughts on family meetings? I like them. I like the idea of that. Yeah. If, there's a, if there is a problem that keeps arising and we need to sit down, I think that's really important. Yeah. Communication. Yeah, I agree. What would you, how would you think about doing family meetings? As in, like, how often would you have them? Who would you include in the meetings? What would you, what would go on the agenda? We could bring you in, couldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) There we go, once. Every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think once once a week would be, or or whenever Could you give us a scenario that would require a family meeting? Well, uh, yeah, the family meetings... Family, what I have in mind when I think of family meetings is absolutely everything to do with your lifestyle. Holidays, uh, if you decided to donate money to a charity, uh, if there were serious problems, if there was behavioural problems, what schools your children should go to, like every single decision, both fun and meaningful things and problems as well. Should we be having them now? Um, well... There is no, you know, you can you can do whatever you want. There's a, there's no should, but family meetings are they're a really nice idea, and also they're a very interesting concept to include your child in family meetings from a really young age, and start to give them some responsibilities that perhaps parents might not normally give responsibilities. So let's just say you decided to donate a small amount of money to a charity. Your, your child might be five, but you might say to them, you know, what do you think? And actually from a very young age, start to actually give them some control over some of the decisions in the family. Um, now, I'm not saying you have to do this because this isn't necessarily like a highly evidence-based strategy, whereas some of the strategies I talk about are. But it's a very interesting concept when you start to give your children family responsibilities from a young age so they actually start to feel like they've got a lot more control now some people would say well that's ridiculous the child can't have any control over the family money at five years old but other people might argue that actually this helps your child feel like they do have control and responsibility and then they start making wise decisions for the family and start to consider the family unit i really like that because it makes the child feel included then in the decision making processes and part of something more than being yeah. Us versus them. No, I like that. Yeah. Teach them about taxes and all that. <laughs> yeah. Important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And so what else, uh, what other things uh, when you think about parenting might, do you feel that might, it might be challenging um, for you? Particularly, I guess, let's focus on when the baby is first born because that's going to be a really stressful period for both of you. Yeah. So Jen has only just moved in with me this year. Okay. So that was Congratulations. Quite- Thank you. That was an adjustment for us both, wasn't it? Yeah. And now, with Ziggy about to happen, there's going to be a whole new level of adjustment, isn't it? Mm. So, what do we need to be aware of? So, we well, don't... So it's things like the night feeds. You, you're, <laughs> you've got it in your head that you're not doing any of them. <laughs> like, any, yeah. yeah, he it's... really thinks... I'm joking with you. I'll do what I can. You're just saying that on camera, but... No. <laughs> like, 
No. I've recently had shingles and I was up all night long with things and it was mad. So that's brought me in. It's, it's brought me in. This is going to be a really stressful period of time for you and it's going to really test the relationship because yeah. sleep goes out the window. You're really, really not going to get a lot of sleep for quite some time when the baby is born. So this is going to test your relationship to a whole new level. So I think um, I'm glad you brought this up, um, Jen, because it's, it's a really important thing to consider is actually um, what is the plan for you know, nighttime when the baby is, is waking up. Um, what do you think you might do on that? Or what do you think? Well, we're quite lucky that we have separate beds. So yeah. he will obviously sneak off to that one. <laughs> so I'll have Ziggy in with me, obviously a bedside crib. Yeah. Um, and because I am on breastfeeding, yeah. it's going to be, I think, 90% up to me. If it was formula or bottle, yeah. then I think... It, at that point, it could be 50-50, but I'm going to attempt, obviously, breast, but who yeah. knows. Yeah. So, because you're not going to want to, in the middle of the night, wait, what's the point of you come, him coming in the room and when I've got to do all the work anyway? Yeah. So. Well, if you're giving me a pass, I'm not going to complain, but I will do whatever I can. And I have been broken into the sleep thing now. So. Bye bye your shingles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then um, arguments might become different because of the tiredness. What are your thoughts on this? Well, at, at the moment, I actually get up every two hours anyway yeah. in, the, in the night for about five minutes. Yeah. So I think it's prepared me for it. I'm, I'm pretty sleep deprived all the time now. So. And we've slept separately since Jen has moved in. Yeah. Because I snore. And Jen sleeps with the lights on and the TV on full blast. It makes it sound like <laughs> I sleep in darkness, in complete silence. A, a, a bit of meditation music last night. I had and a little light on. It's not like I've got like surgical lights on. Or but usually it's that. cartel girlfriends. Or it is. Cartel girlfriends. What is it? What was that show you watch? What is it? What was it? I, don't, I can't remember. Busy mums or something. <laughs> Cartel mums. Working mums. Working mums, that's, that's it. it, yeah. Um, and then what about your ideas on children crying? Because the baby's going to cry, you know, in the early years, your baby's going to be crying quite a lot. What are your thoughts on oh, that? praying for a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> if you want them, you won't get it. Um, so I've heard that, I don't know, that you hear all these different sort of theories on if you let the baby cry for a little bit, it will train him to not cry in the long run or um, you, should, you shouldn't feed them as soon as they start crying. You should feed them before they start crying, like at a regular intervals so they don't get in the habit of crying. I, I okay, so you, you're kind of, a bit, you're like receiving a lot of information about how to respond oh, gotcha. when it's you're everywhere. And, and it's inconsistent. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what are your thoughts on the cried out method where you oh, leave I don't your... think I could do that. It's okay, like... good, good. Yes. Do you want me to tell you a bit of information about yeah, the please. cry? Yeah, so the cry out method is completely outdated and it, is, it really is not a good way to, um, you know, it's not a good way to go at all. Up until around... 82, there wasn't really any good research to say, you know, otherwise. So they really believed the cried out method was going to make your child very resilient and that if you coddled them, it wasn't a good thing. But now what they know is that actually your child absolutely needs you to respond to their cries and that this comforts them. This will help them regulate their emotions and learn how to regulate their emotions in, in life. Because if they start to, you know, realize you are there for them when they cry, you know, even though it can be very difficult and, you know, children can cry a lot depending on what type of baby you have that actually responding to their cries is is the right thing to do what are the root causes of babies crying oh there's so many different different things it's okay. their way to communicate with you they might need to be fed uh, they not, might need to be changed and actually it can be very frustrating for parents when they've done all those things and then they they don't know what else their child needs now, some parents get very in tune and they, under, they start to recognize the cries and they know actually which cry means, means which. Um, it can be very frustrating when you actually, when your child is crying, you don't know what's wrong. And that's where actually some couples can really get tested because their, um, their patience is tested. And this is where 
things happen that are not perfect and this is where um you know a lot of mothers feel very guilty if they just lose their cool and they just you know they just end up shouting because they're tired and they you know mm. they completely um you know they, they just lose control over their anger which i assure you is very human and you don't need to feel you know guilty if this ever happens uh, at any point with your child but it's what we do at our anger afterwards or it's how we respond to the, the situation afterwards so i guess that's a question for you um as the child gets older and you just lose your cool and you raise your voice um how would you f- repair that situation i don't know afterwards? i feel incredibly gu- guilty at doing that yeah uh, straight like yeah i think that w- I, it's inevitable i think yeah especially if they do something like that but you know when they're walking they run run go to run out in front of a car yeah. And I see parents lose their stuff, like, with it, and I'm like, I can see why. It's yeah. just fear. But, and the child doesn't know that. I don't know how I deal with it after. So there's the three R's I, I give people. So there's the reflect, rewind, and repair. So you're reflecting on the situation. And in that time, you know, you can just acknowledge that you're not perfect. You know, that even you might have, d- you might have done a behavior you're not, you're not proud of, like such as shouting at your child. But you're really tested in that moment or scared for your child in that moment if they've run out um, in front of a car. Um, so then just reflecting on it and then, and then just repairing the situation, just going to your child and basically saying, you know, I know that wasn't the right behavior. I know I shouldn't have shouted, I lost my cool, you know, admitting where you've done something that you think was wrong and, you know, and apologizing to them. And, um, you know, so all of these situations, because we're not, we're not perfect as humans. As parents, we can make a lot of mistakes, but actually just the taking that time to reflect on it and then, and then repair it with your child can go a really long way. Yeah. I think you would be the general enforcer and if it was something really serious, I would have to... Why do some parents become general enforcers like myself? Yeah, this is, this is an interesting comment. So, um, so why do you feel that Jen would be the, the enforcer? Because of her opening statement today, saying I'm the laid-back one and you're the disciplinarian. I think she's ready to discipline. <laughs> okay. But I'm more laid-back in general. As in, so do you mean Unless that... Unless something's really serious, then... Do you mean that you don't think you would raise your voice by... by you don't think you would lose your Jen voice? would raise her voice before me over things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jen gets I, mad at things before I, that, yeah. well, before I do, at people before I do. Okay, <laughs> so raising voice might not be an incident for you, but there might be other times when you do something that's less ideal because mm. no parent is perfect. Yeah. Is there any kind of situations where you feel could happen if you just kind of think of the future and your child growing up? They could be any age. Um, I, I asked you about this. What do you think? Like, how any age? You mean like teenage? I think, I think Oh, there's yeah. loads there. I mean, if they do the <laughs> yeah. stuff I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to get to. My head will it. explode. <laughs> like, what if. We've got to be careful because of the channel, but he started doing illegal substances. We've, I've asked him that. Like, how would we handle something well, like that? Well, if you tell them not to do it, they're going to do it, aren't they? Kids at that age are rebellious. That's my understanding. Yeah. So you've got to come at them in a friendlier way, I think, to head it off before it happens. Perhaps have talks about my experience and here's the dangers, all the people I've lost on that road and what can happen. Yeah, we promote it. Safety would be paramount to me. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting because um, just from observing the two of you, there's mm. going to be times when the two of you don't agree, but that you'll there's no right or wrong, that you'll both have very valid points, but that you won't agree. And then this can be very challenging as parents because the two of you are supposed to be a team and you're supposed to always show that team front that you've reached this consistent idea between the two of you and then you're ready to present that consistent idea um, uh, to the child. So I think this could be a good time for like a bit of an exercise. So let's now really imagine the child is 14 years old and they really have become very curious in these uh, in substances. And it's now your task that your child's coming home at 6 p.m. and you're going to have a chat with them. And it's now 4 p.m. So you literally have this time right now in this moment to come up with a consistent parenting strategy, even though you're coming into this conversation having two different beliefs. In the next five minutes, I'd like you to have a chat with one another and 
by the end of the conversation, have come to some kind of compromise as to a consistent message that you're going to say to Ziggy at 6 p.m. when he comes home because he needs some guidance and advice and boundaries. Yeah. Well, I work in drugs education in schools, don't I? speak to 14-year-olds. Yeah. So I would lay down something similar to what... We have... (sighs) What... um, Becky's saying is we're having a discussion like two hours prior to him coming home. Yeah. So, right, Ziggy came back stinking of you know what the other day. We need to have a chat with him. What would you say? Well, that's the thing. Is he thinking about doing it? No, he's... he's... Or have we found balls in his bedroom or there's a smell in his bedroom? What's the preferred scenario here? Well, he's stinking of something, so that's the scenario. If he's stinking of green, then... We would have to have a word, wouldn't we, about what... Hmm. Well, smoking's bad enough. If you go down the whole lung cancer route... <laughs> I would emphasise the consequences. I say that these things do start as fun at first, but every time you take it, the side effects, the harm is rising in the background and you're always trying to get back to your early highs. And what happens is down that road... I mean, Ziggy's coming home at 6pm. You guys, you, you only have a few well, minutes probably, to reach your decision. Do you know what? I've got to praise him for coming home at 6pm. <laughs> I stay up till 10, at least. Um, I think, right, all right, he doesn't know we know, right? But we know, and we're going to confront him now. So yeah. we've got to firstly say, look... I think I'd have to wind him up first. Like, you, what's that smell? Because of our <laughs> histories, would it get to this point where he's sneaking behind our backs? Because of our histories, don't you think it would have something we would openly have discussed? I mean, how do you openly discuss that with children? I would say, is my drug history before he gets to the point of temptation? Do you think Sean's history will okay our child to do stuff like that because he's like, well, my dad did it? Do you want me to give you a little bit of information on, um, you know, sort of, I guess, how... You could, how you might want to go about this. Yes. Um, now, this is... He's got my own government. Okay, so, um, so you really want to... You want to have all of the research prepared, but you're not going to speak to your child like you're a scientist or anything like that. But not all drugs are the same. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, and you could... Maybe you could give them some visuals that are, you know, you're not going to give them a PowerPoint presentation. But some of the visuals on drugs, which you'll have seen, Sean, are very interesting that, like, uh, alcohol and smoking are killing far more um, people than, you know, for, you know, psychedelics as in psilocybin. Uh, the amount you would have to take to die is extraordinary. Whereas if someone takes heroin, you're talking about a very different amount of drugs. So there's a lot of great research out there that can help educate your child um, on you know, what drugs are. And you can definitely, you know, because you speak to people in schools, as you know, you can present that information from a young age so that you're already encouraging that this can be spoken openly about and they're not going to be shamed for doing any of this behaviour. So, and then when he's coming home at at 6pm, you want to create a safe space for him. Because actually... If he's doing anything that you don't approve of, that's quite intimidating, quite scary. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if he's, you know, becoming sexually active, uh, you know, sooner than you would like or or whatever, or or if it is actually something that's illegal. Um, you don't want your child to feel that they're in a safe, an unsafe space or that they're going to be shamed for it. Um, so you want to try and create that safe space by basically saying things like, this is a safe space, no matter what, what you tell us in this space, we love you as parents and we're not going to make you feel bad about the behavior. We just want, you know, to have a chat with you to see if we can offer any advice or guidance. Um, so trying to make it as safe as possible so that he can actually open up about whatever is going on. Because um, I think the two of you kind of mentioned that you don't want to, you know, try and control him. Because, or I, I think you said, Sean, yeah, that if you say it in a certain way, he's going he's gonna to go against yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully my backstory will put him off. Or send him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's quite an interesting, but you know, it's an interesting journey you've had, Sean. How would that influence you as a parent? What kind of things would you like to guide your child on or advise your child on as a result of what you've been through? So I have a child in America, and I was running around the next day in crystal meth and not being a good parent. Mm. So this is my opportunity to make up for that. But that child did tell me 
because she's doing great in her life. I said, how did you turn out so well, you know, after what I put you through? And your mum, and she said, well, both my parents were pretty crazy. And um, that was an example of me not to turn, not to become crazy. That's why I've become normal. So I feel really guilty in my heart because I was, you know, doing all the drug community things I was doing. Yeah. Um, but this is an opportunity for me to do the right thing. Yeah. So you want to be a really conscious parent? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's Thanks. That's right. And I think that's quite striking, actually. The two of you being here so early, far earlier than I would ever see parents, is just how conscious you're being about this. And, you know, it's sad to see in the world that people just have babies with no putting no thought into it. But actually, the two of you are really putting conscious thought into how you want to parent your child. And although you clearly don't have all the answers, no one does, you're very curious about it and you want to kind of go on that, that journey together of like being like, okay, well, you might, you might not always agree and you might not always have the answers but but let's kind of figure this out together as, as a team well I've lived such a crazy life and Jen's had quite a crazy life as well and it's like part of us has never really grown up so I think our emotional immaturity we need to snap out of that now because we are having a family together and I don't know how much you want to say but Jen's been arrested a few times as well for... well yeah my, I was a terrible teenager and a rebellious, terrible teenager into my early 20s. What led you to be that way? What was it about your parenting, the, the parenting style Ooh. that you received that led you to rebel? Because oh, I had a terrible setup at home. So yeah. brilliant mum, uh, real parent left when I was very young. Yeah. Stepfather was a, not a very nice man. Yeah. So I, when he left, him and my mum split up when I was about 13. I, I, being that I, my mum was quite a pushover, I then became the ultimate rebellious little knight. Yeah. I would do anything and everything, steal, um, break into like football grounds, set off fireworks, and yeah. um, my friends would steal cars. Like it was, yeah. I don't know why I t went down that route. I, I was really quite a terrible child. It sounds like you were just really misunderstood and that you actually didn't have someone at home thinking about your emotions and, and be unable to have those conscious conversations with you about how you're actually feeling on the inside. No. And because my, my brother and my sister weren't like that, which is because you've met them. They're really quite I met well all the behaved. family just, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. And I was like, this is the same story as me. I come from a loving, great family and look how I turned out. <laughs> and... I said something Mine's like a know. normal country <laughs> Wiltshire folk, like really normal family. And yeah, I'm the black sheep who, who's just, I was terrible. Up until I was about 25, I was a terrible person. It's, <laughs> um, it, it really, you know, it really shows how like parenting strategy, like there's no perfect parenting strategy and, and our personalities mean that we respond in certain ways to certain environments. Um, but actually what you often find in these environments, although families might look very loving that actually underneath that there's still a lot of emotions bubbling up for these young people and when it's not when they're not responded to that actually this is when you know behaviors can exhibit in all different ways for some child it might be they just become very introverted for other children it might be that they're stealing cars but but often it's just you know their best way of trying to cope with whatever is going on and um, a question for both of you is is there anything that you received or didn't receive in your parenting where you want to be absolutely different and you want to make sure that actually you just you just do things differently because you've seen the yeah. impact of what's happened with oh your god parenting. yeah I, I think that's why i put off having children till i'm in my mid-30s now yeah not that that's you know particularly late but a lot of people perceive it as late yeah. is because i couldn't have a child with someone who wasn't going to stick around yeah due to what happened to me as a child yeah and i had a real big anger towards men for many years yeah. so because of that and i just don't want to instill that in my child yeah like a not a hatred towards men in particular but like just disrespect for the other parent or just a bad upbringing um yeah. because it, it wasn't like i was brought up in um, poverty or anything like that. It was yeah. more just my situation just felt 
destroyed from well it was from the day I was born yeah so then the family unit is really important to you that actually showing this strong front as a family and being consistent as a family is something that you always want your child to see yeah yeah because you had a lot of trauma at the hands of your stepdad didn't you oh yeah he was yeah he was yeah. a very nice man at all yeah, that's and really tough. Yeah, 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 so, and you just think, like, my whole, the only nice, like, father figure I had, the only decent man I had in my life was my grandfather, like, and my, the, the men my mum would choose were just god-awful men. Yeah. So, so you've been really conscious in, like, wanting something very different for yourself. Uh, I've put it off for years, yeah. like... And made various different choices throughout my life, so I didn't have children, just yeah. because I didn't want to be in that situation. I was so like scared of that situation. Yeah, so. it's amazing actually the age you are because of your intellect. That actually a woman of your age can make so many decisions. Where actually someone, if you were having a child in your let's just say twenties, you just don't have the emotional maturity to make the kinds of decisions that you can now be making. So it's quite quite admirable that you've decided to do this now where you've got so much control over your life. I'm, I'm glad because if I had a child in my 20s, I'd, I can't bear to think what type of parent I would have been. Yeah. I was so mature and just wanted to go out with my friends all the time, party and holidays and selfish behaviour, whereas yeah. now it's, yeah, yeah. settled. So. It's, a good, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time now. <laughs> Yeah. Sean, what about um, your parenting? And, you know, not to, not to criticise anyone, but is there anything, anything that just wasn't effective for you? So I look back at my parenting, I'm really happy. Um, never had any trauma within from my parents like you suffered. So I feel blessed. People, when I tell some stories, they laugh and say I was spoiled. But I think I quite enjoyed being spoiled. Um, one story is, like, I think we went to Cornwall or somewhere for a holiday... And they couldn't find a fish and chips shop that sold fish fingers. So That's they, all we used to eat. They drove around for like hours looking for a place to get fish fingers and chips. <laughs> this is what I put them through. So wow. I imagine that that is something that's not... I don't want to be that flexible with. <laughs> but even though I enjoyed it, I can't <laughs> drive around for two hours. For so your parents were... Perhaps they were very accommodating and maybe some people might see it as over-accommodating. Some people have laughed and said I'm spoiled when I've told them these stories about the fish fingers and chips and things like that. Would you say your parents are quite relaxed? They're, they're really nice people, really yeah. loving. My, my um, dad is very relaxed. He's only just started doing yoga in recent years because every time we've tried to get him to do yoga, he said, I'm so relaxed, I don't need yoga. <laughs> but he does it with my mum because my mum has anxiety and depression. And uh, my mum was adopted. She spent... 30 years trying to track her birth mum. She wrote a book about it, but that caused her, when she found out, as a teenager, it, she was at a doctor's appointment or a therapist appointment or something, and the therapist just said, by the way, do you know you're adopted? That's how she found out. Shocking. So her whole world turned upside down at that moment. And um, my dad's been her rock, and he's also been my rock as well, when I went through what I went through in Arizona, for example. Yeah. And... Um, so there's two different personalities, types of my parents. The, my dad is totally relaxed and calm. And my mum, who's wonderful, but suffers anxiety and depression. And was there anything... So you say that, OK, the, on one hand, maybe they're a bit too lenient, but you're still you're not sure about that because you Cause kind I enjoyed of, it. Kind of enjoyed it. I didn't see it as a problem, me getting dri driven around to find fishing. Fish fingers and chips. So that, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like loving it. So that tells me that you would probably be quite lenient, which Jen has already quite clearly stated today. Yeah. So Jen, if you started to see that Sean was being the um, you know the nice parent, because that could make you look like the tough parent, and then and then you could see that your child is sort of gravitating more towards their father because he's uh, you know the, the one who's more lenient. Um, what would how would the two of you? tackle that one if uh, if Jen you thought that Tom was being too, too nice to mind right away. I'd have to sit down with him I wouldn't do it in front of Ziggy I would go separately and be like look come on I need I need you to have my back yeah like let's start being a team because if he was I'd be like come on like don't let him get away with everything we want boundaries it's like I just don't want him to grow up like a spoiled soul like you see those like Guys, girls out there who are just so f full of themselves, um, egotistical, narcissistic, 
I guarantee, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's because they were spoiled as children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then you, you'd, you'd uh, pull uh, Sean aside, you'd have a conversation in, in private outside of the child's area, and you would, you would um, try to negotiate um, a boundary with Sean. And then, Sean, what would you say? So Jen wants something a bit more. Let's actually pick a specific situation. Let's just say bedtime. Bedtime is 8 p.m. for the child, but you think the child has asked you if they can just stay up an extra hour until 9. You thought it was okay, but Jen's pulled you aside and said, look, we need... Okay, I'll I'll get to that specific example, but I need to give a bit of a backstory to it. The thing I like about Jen and the thing that why we work so well is that Jen doesn't let things build up in her head and then snap. Mm -hmm. It's not like a family meeting we have, but like... If something's on Jen's mind, yeah. instead of watching Netflix, she'll turn Netflix off and we'll just sit. <laughs> we'll be lying down and we'll look at each other. Great. And we'll, we'll, we'll say, right, let's have a conversation about how we're feeling, about whatever, and it'll all come out. And we, and we do that, don't we? Yeah. Great. And, and you're really open to that. And I can sense from her body language when she wants to say something to me as well. I'll, I'll turn everything off and say, look, let's have a little chat. Yeah. It's like our pre-family meetings. This, Lovely. That's uh, great. Um, so... I think if if there was an issue like that, it wouldn't be a recurrent thing. It would be something that would be at its genesis, and Jen would say to me right away what what the problem was. And he's going to be tired the the next day. I can't be dealing with that. Yeah, he's going to bed now. Yeah. Right, so you're really in touch with your emotions and you kind of know when you need to articulate yourself so it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't boil yes. or it doesn't, it doesn't get left uh, lingering. Yes. Okay, so you've got really good problem solving as a couple, which is a real strength of yours. So that seems, seems like it's a strength that you can then carry on into your parenting because there's going to be a lot of problems along the way. The other thing is I had some quite dramatic relationships in America. Yeah. And when Jen gets mad and she says, I'm not getting mad. I mean, for example, my first wife, I would come home from work and she would jump in the shower with a Ginsu knife and go to cut my dick off. That's my yardstick now for... It's quite extreme. That's my yardstick for... So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sweet angel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, like, you're like, if you're a bit mad, you're like, can I, can I talk to you, Sean? <laughs> but as terrifying as that was at the time... You hit the jackpot. <laughs> the hardest things I've gone through in my life, those behaviours with those relationships and the conditions I went through incarcerated have made me quite patient, as you pointed out. Around that time, I did an interview on BBC Radio 4 about the philosophy of patience. Yeah. Because to get to see a doctor takes days. You have to fill out a form, hope they sign off on it, get transported, the jailmate get locked down, you get sent back, get, go, go back the next day. All those things have set something in my head whereby I, unless things are extreme, it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Would that ever be a problem? Or would that ever cause you a problem, Jen? If- well, sometimes Jen says, why aren't you getting mad? It's like she wants a reaction. I think that's my, that's my insecurities, though. Is it? Well, it must be. I don't, you could, who, who on earth so wants like, the other person to get mad because they're mad? So, like, yesterday, for example, right? And that was, I didn't want you to get mad. But I was kind of thinking that you did want me to get mad because no. you previously said you want me to get mad. I don't know what I <laughs> and wanted. And I did the silly dance. I did the silly dance outside the shop. Trying to diffuse the situation. <laughs> and, and you wouldn't diffuse. No, and that's why I went off. I got in my car and went off for a, um, to go get my nails done. Because I thought that's the only way I'm going to get away from She took time out, she spaced. That's the best thing. General go on walks or jump in a car. Okay, so, yeah. there's, so you basically. Detach for an hour or two to a calm down. If I can't calm her right. down, she'll just go somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so how, how will this work when you have a child at home? <laughs> you are getting quiet, your blood is boiling, and, it's, and, and Sean is staying really patient, and, and you're getting mad that he's not reacting to your naughty, your child, your child's naughty behaviour, not your naughty child, because children are not naughty, it's, they're just carrying out naughty behaviour. Um, but how would, you, how would you tackle that situation? Because you can't really get out of it, because there's parenting duties to be Here you go, Hans I'm off to town. So if I see that you're getting to the point where you're getting now, and you've only got like this, during this, so I imagine that when you're not this, well, not you go back to how you was 
before this. Maybe. You don't know. Well, if you don't, and I see that you're that tense and you need to go off somewhere, I'll be just like, go and do your thing and I'll just stay with Ziggy. Because you, you always come back completely transformed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You've got my nails done. <laughs> Yeah, it's really remarkable that, that you are able to tackle your emotions in that way. You know, you can feel them. You know what you need. You address it. And actually, Sean doesn't really, you know, suffer the consequences of. No, I can tell. But I even know that I'm being irrational at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, if I don't take myself out of this, I'm, I'm just going to keep going okay. round in a circle. And I, th- I think something else that's really different about our relationship is. In all my other relationships, like, I met the person, we, like, wooed, dated, whatever. With Jen, we were colleagues for two years, and we would go on the road, and we were really close, and it's like we were really best friends. Mm -hmm. And I've never been in a relationship where I've gone from, like, having a best friend for years to suddenly having a relationship whereby you kind of already know everything about the person and how... Yeah. It's it's not like you're in a full-on romantic relationship and you're having to learn the ropes Mm. of how that person's psychology is. Yeah. Do you feel that having a friendship is different? Yeah, because a lot of relationships, you go into the guy, the guy or girl is full of shit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got, to, you've got to weave your way through the crap out there because they're all lying or um, bloody pumping themselves up about something to make themselves, to sell themselves. Whereas if you've been friends with someone, you know, you know what they're selling is genuine. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you not find that if you go? I on- do, but that's just highlighted something to me as well about Jen's materialism. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what is that, Sean? So, when I was in my twenties, I've got to be a millionaire by thirty. Or else I'm going to kill myself. Ended up living in a million dollar house inside a mountain. SWAT team raided, and I learned when all that was stripped from me. And I've done a TED talk on this um, that once I got detached from all that material stuff. It was painful, but then I felt liberated, and I wrote to my sister, I feel like a mad monk in a cave right now. I'm not thinking about all those material things I've coveted my whole life. I am free, and happiness is just in your heart and what your thoughts make it. Now, I've gone through that pain of being detached from that. I'm still an entrepreneur, and I still believe in being successful, but I've not got this mercenary business plan anymore to make me wealthy by the time I'm 30. I just, I'm happy with what I've got. I wake up, throw some monkey nuts at the squirrels and just get on with my day. Well, I think Jen's still mercenary. I'm going to stop you right there. Do you know how many <laughs> pairs of shoes he owns? Going back to the Sorry. 1990s when no. I had a clothing store. Oh, I've got bags of shoes from the 90s. <laughs> no, but the other day, oh, the other day you popped into London for finally, a bit of work and you come back with new pa- another new pair of shoes. Right, and how many suits he buys. Um, <laughs> right, he cannot. We work in media, Jen. Let's <laughs> new looks constantly on camera. Because, because I like money on my hair, nails. Obviously, he doesn't have to worry about that. But all the stuff that he doesn't have to worry about, he thinks I'm materialistic. But everything I'm getting is to present myself for the business. My hair, it? my nails, my clothes, my. my <laughs> so this is an interesting. So we, if we make this relevant to parenting, you might have ideas about one another. So, um, yeah. so Sean, you have an idea about Jen that she's more materialistic than you. Jen has an idea that you're actually more materialistic than you like to make out. Uh, so when you have these strong ideas about the other person that they don't necessarily agree with, um, how, what are your thoughts on the way you would communicate your, to your child about your views of the other person, the, the views of your partner? I, I don't know. I think <laughs> Jen's like, private school, he's going to run his own business, he's going to be like a billionaire. <laughs> He's going to inherit your empire. No, that's not... This is right, right. This no, is no, 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 no. When we were on the way to find out the sex of the baby, my mother asked him, did you like a boy or a girl? Sean's reply was, a boy to inherit the empire. <laughs> I was just trying to be funny. I was trying to be funny. I was trying to get rises out of Jen. Serious. I was trying to get rises out of Jen. Being fake sexist just to get rises out of you guys. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. But I think to get it across to going back to your question, 
There's a grain of truth in every joke. Is that what you want to say? No. <laughs> so yeah, you're 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 on your own own with the child, one of you or the other, and you're you, you're communicating about your thoughts, ideas, feelings about your partner. Um, what's your view on that? Uh, respect. I, I think it's really important to to teach him respect to his his other half. Man, and what woman, does that look whatever. like? In the words that you would say? Compromise. I hope that we portray that. Compromise, communication, um, honesty, trust, sharing. It's important to share because I'm undecided whether I'll I'll have one or two right now. Okay. And there's the whole discussion of uh, uh, only children spoil, which I don't think they are if they've got enough people around them. Love's love. You know, it doesn't matter if they have a sibling or not. But, yeah, it's just... I mean, how how would you do portray it? Portray what? Like a good relationship to Ziggy. How to portray so a good speaking, relationship? So, so I'll give you an example. Jen's really annoyed you, and you're very very tense, and you 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 do not agree at all on on this. And then you get in the car and you're driving Ziggy, who's now twelve, to soccer, and um, and then he asks you. He's like, "Oh, why are you not? Why are you annoyed with mummy?" Uh, what do you say? Because I'm always wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That when you're in a long-term relationship with someone, there's going to be ups and downs. But if you truly love each other, you will figure out ways to work through those ups and downs. And sometimes one person is hot-headed, sometimes the other person is hot-headed. And you've got to have mechanisms to let that pressure out of the system. So Jen will go and, you, you know, you do your running or do your walks or do you go and get your nails done. We did have some uh, disputes earlier in the year when Jen first moved in and I would go to the gym and kick the bag and do weights and things like that. So I'd explain to him, you know, these things are going to arise in the natural course of a long-term relationship. If you love the person, you're going to put the work in to get through it. And it's good to have mechanisms in advance in your mind that you can fall back on to get through those ups and downs. Okay. Yeah. It also it might be good for you, the two of you to do um, like a shared principle sheet and come up with principles for your your family strategy because there might be principles like we're from what we've just talked about because you seem to from what you're saying, Sean, I'm concluding that you have this principle of never say something bad about Jen in front of you know your child that because you're this consistent. Um, you're showing this strong team front even though you're furious although it sounds like it's going to be very hard to it would take a lot to get me it takes a lot to get you angry on this occasion she's done it (laughs) (laughs) because uh, you also have a child here and life has become a lot more stressful than you ever thought Um, but it sounds like one of the principles that both you might want to put on it is to to not you know not speak speak um, badly about your your partner or you know and whatever else whatever other principles come up so that you can refer back to that shared sheet from time to time tweak and change it and have your plan of how you want it. It's horrifying it. to me when you see these divorces and the parents use the child, children as pawns and mm. each play the other side and tell them all the horrible things the other one's done. Yeah, to yeah. me that's yeah disgusting. Yeah. Despicable. So yeah. I think we, you know, if that day might arise. So we're reading a love book right no, now. No, he's reading a love book. And in the love book, it says... <laughs> we're, leaving, we're reading a love book now, he is. <laughs> I'm trying to read it every other page to Jen when she's got a moment. One of the pages I read to was, but one of the pages he said, one of the obstacles to a long-term relationship working is not believing that love will last. And Jen's always cracking jokes about when we're going to break up, what this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And I always throw the book in her face. <laughs> With the highlighter on yeah. the exact line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm manifesting you've, you've, a breakup. You're not making the jokes as, as much, much as you used to, but you have just brought it up right now when the divorce happened. I see that might, that might go on the principles, if you could agree on a, a principle to do with actually comments about the relationship or comments about love that, you know, whatever you manage to... Because the more that you can agree in terms of the family strategy, the more you can be this consistent team. Jen and I have never lasted long enough three years with anyone for our entire lives. No. Even, you've, you've never lasted more than three years with a partner? Yes. No. Okay, how yeah. long have you been together for? We've only just moved in together from the beginning of the year. Okay. We were colleagues for two years before that. Yep. So then this is, so it's a, still a relatively new relationship for both yes. of you. And then you're embarking on this huge challenge still quite early on. That must be quite anxiety provoking at times for both of you. 
Not really, no, because we, we were best friends. I spent a lot of time with him, and we weren't just friends for two years. So. But with benefits, <laughs> as you can see. Yeah, yeah. evidence of that. <laughs> but still, um, I wonder, though, if, if that does come up as, like, a low-level anxiety for either of you from time to time because, um, you know, because your other relationships haven't necessarily lasted very long, and then you're in this relationship... Of course, it started in a very different way with this slow start and, and building a friendship first, which sounds like it's been a really secure foundation for both of you. But, um, but, but I wonder if there is anxieties about the, you know, from time to time about the relationship staying together. My previous partners have bailed because they've realised over time I'm an extreme workaholic. Okay. Jen and I work together, so a lot of our conversations revolve around... For example, my previous girlfriend is the only partner I've actually lived with since I come back from America for the first time. I lived in my friend's bedroom for 10 years, building, doing my stuff. Mm-hmm. Met her, fell in love, moved in together, and when she would come home from her normal work day, five or six at the office, wherever it was, she'd expect me to completely turn off my work brain and just spend time with her and do nice things with her for the rest of the evening, which I completely understand where she was coming from. But in the kind of work I do where news can break, something can happen, yeah. or there's a crisis I've got to fix, I'm getting a call, I've got to go and deal with that, that became increasingly irritating to her. Mm-hmm. And the manifestation of that stress then started to make me feel uncomfortable. Like I'm thinking yeah. if I get a call now, it's going to ruin our evening. But with Jen already integrated, us both integrated into collaborating on things for a couple of years, yeah. and we constantly talk about work things, it gives us endless things to talk about as well. Yeah. Romantic, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a huge safety, huge safety in the fact that you are doing this project together and that actually if work calls, Jen is with you. She doesn't get pissed off, for example. It was Jen's birthday recently, we went to Holland for two days. Mm-hmm. News broke on something, and Jen gave me her blessing to do a one-hour live stream from the hotel room to keep that story going. And you were so cool about that. Because I could This is good. You were so cool about that. You were like, take your time, just do it. It's got to be done. Then we'll go to the rave afterwards. And we did, because I knew what time the act is I wanted to see. It wasn't going to get in the way, so... Okay, so you feel very supported in this I do feel very supported. With the others, it's become a problem. Okay. So so you've got this foundation of security with this relationship. Um, uh, What's your plan from time to time if there's strain on the relationship? So when the baby arrives, this could strain your relationship. Um, What would you... And and let's just say it's a new strain. It's not a stress that you've experienced before. It's, It's just something different kind of, you know, happens, as does you know, with a lot of couples where there's a new baby. What's your plan to try to make sure that whatever comes up in the relationship, that the relationship can stay very secure and intact? I think the shingles came at the perfect time because I think I I am... (laughs) said no one ever. (laughs) I am really obsessed about sleep, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. If I don't get so many hours, I'm going to get cranky. I had an extreme case of shingles. It started... Um, almost two months ago it's still some of it's still on me now I can still feel it and um, when it manifested I I got this pain on my side I could only lie on my side and I ended up calling the hospital number in the middle of the night and telling them but for weeks I could only sleep on my side and it was in so much pain I was up every hour with it and I think that's what we're gonna have isn't it I'm gonna have to get up in the night and do stuff so it broke your sleep pattern. It brought me yeah. into this. That's what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, so yeah, you feel you've yeah. been in some training. Thank you, thank you shingles. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final questions for me in relation to parenting or anything that you are kind of preempting could be a challenge or any curiosity? What do you think should be the challenges then? Challenges? It depends what age. I think at first it's getting it into a sleep routine. I think it's going to be hell on earth. Remember my cousin who we seen the other day, she's got two under two. And she said, welcome to No Sleep Club. Mm, Yeah. Is there any tips or advice on getting the child to sleep? Um, There is actually some really good sleeping experts for babies. Uh, There's a book I can recommend by an author 
called Cheryl. I can't remember her last name, but I'll send you a link to her book because she's all about helping get getting babies to sleep because, yeah, that can be really stressful. And if you, if you can train your baby quite young and get them sleeping, then it makes your life completely different. So I'll send you the link to that. That's the main thing, isn't it? And one, what is the recipe for a child to be screwed up? <laughs> I will tell you the recipe. <laughs> I have a whole career because of it. Yeah. Uh, lack of empathy. Um, that, you know, of course, as humans, often humans can be very self-interested. But when there's a real problem with empathy in parents and they haven't done the work themselves, then it really impacts the child because children need their feelings to be responded to. And, um, you know, and it's, there's no perfect parenting at all, but if you can be empathic and you can really recognize your children's emotions and respond to them, then you're on a great path to be having a child who is happy and feels really loved. Thank you. It's been really helpful, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's been lovely speaking to you, <laughs> and you. Uh, it's very exciting. Well done for being conscious Ooh. parents. Yeah. I think you. we should all live like this in our lives and be conscious about everything yeah. that we do. But it's nice to see people so early on in the journey, and while you've no idea exactly what's going to happen in the future, it's it's very exciting. And it's nice to just see that you, you want to be trying to receive the right information so you can do the best job you can. Thank Thanks. You. Let us know what you thought about this video in the comments. Please subscribe to Becky's YouTube channel and I'll let Becky tell you guys right now where you can find her online. Do you want to tell the viewers? You can find me at Private Therapy Clinic as my YouTube channel and then I'm at Dr. Becky Spellman on Instagram and also TikTok.